Washington, D.C., with an unseasonal snow flurry blowing through the area, and 32-year-old Natasha is asleep in her cozy townhouse. She's tucked within the luxury brand bedding with the high thread count, the 100% cotton, the silky smooth and crisp sheets, and the marshmallow fluffy comforter filled with down. It's the first decent sleep she's had in weeks. So the last thing she needs is for shit to go down. But that's exactly what's about to happen. Just wait for it. Natasha had just successfully completed her recent assignment as a special agent of OVUM, AKA the Office of Anti-Villainy and Undisclosable Matters. It was a tough case, so after the debriefing, she and her fellow agents went out to the bar across the street from the Ovum offices to celebrate. After out drinking everyone with ease, Natasha went home, pulled out a bottle of Stoli from the freezer, along with a pint of Jenny's darkest chocolate ice cream, and parked herself on the sofa and binge-watched episodes of Top Chef until she dragged herself to bed and passed out. Now she's sleeping the exhausted sleep of the victorious. And what she does not want to happen is for her phone to ring in the middle of the night, which is hardly ever a good thing. So guess what happened? On the bedside table, her cell phone flashes bright playing the ringtone of Charlie XCX's latest. The ringtone penetrates Natasha's sleep and alcohol-fogged brain and intrudes on her sex dream, where a female agent named Lara is going down on her. In her non-dream life, Natasha had to garrote Lara. It was Natasha's very first assignment as an undercover operative. It's a recurring dream and is some seriously fucked up Freudian shit that Natasha's been dealing with ever since. It takes a few seconds for her to shake off the sleep and get her bearings. She reaches for the phone and checks the screen. It's her younger sister, Viera, a.k.a. Vierushka, who lives in their hometown of St. Petersburg, Russia. They speak to each other in Russian but it's translated here into English. Natasha sits up and leans against the headboard. What's wrong, Virochka? They took him. What are you talking about? They took Misha. Who? Misha, my boyfriend, who I've been seeing for seven months now. I told you about him. Okay, so you've been seeing this guy, Misha, and someone took him, like kidnapped him? Yes. How long he has been gone? Three days. Verochka, listen to me. Knowing you're tasting man, is it possible that he... What? Just say it. That he ghosted you. 
Can you not be asshole right now? I'm just trying to be realistic here. I know your history. This is different. I love him, Natasha, and he loves me. But now, the military has him. Russian? No, American. This gets Natasha's attention. She is definitely wide awake now. Are you sure? Yes. They looked very military with their outfits and scary weapons. And I know American English when I hear it. You mean you witness it? Yeah. They took him right out of our bed. But they left you alone. Not exactly. I was obviously not going to let them take Misha, so I tried to fight them off. But they subdued me and they jabbed me with something. I was passed out until morning. This doesn't make any sense. Why would they do this? Vera? I think it's because... It's because he's not from around here. You mean not from St. Petersburg or from Russia? No, what I mean is he's not from Earth. What? He's from another planet, like uh, 15 light years away or something. Natasha is about to say, Are you fucking kidding me? When her phone buzzes, and a notification pops up on the screen informing her that the silent alarm has been triggered. Someone has broken into the townhouse. Where are you now? I mean, wait, don't tell me. Natasha gets out of bed. She's tall, almost six feet in height, and has a slender athletic build. Her dishwater blonde hair flows to about mid-back. More than one person in her life has told her she should have been a fashion model. She retrieves her service weapon from the bedside table drawer. Then she quickly goes to the closet and reaches for the top shelf. Are you where I told you to go in case of an emergency? Yes, good girl. From the top shelf of the closet, she reaches for a pair of night vision goggles and straps them on. Natasha, will you help him? Please. Do you have any idea where they took him? Yes. Well, not exactly. His telepathy faded out before he could give me more details. It's why I had to wait three days to call you. He didn't know until now where his final destination would be. Natasha has many questions, but there's no time. Where? Where is he? He... he said Southern California. That's not helpful. Natasha goes and stands by the bedroom door. It was something about tangerines, so... No, 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 wait. Oranges. Natasha's racking her brain. Orange, like fruit, or the color, the juice, a farmer's market, orange grove. Are there still orange groves in Southern California? Then a name comes to her. Vincent Tacklenot, a fellow agent who's stationed in Southern California, specifically in... Orange County? Yes, that's it. There's a squeak of a floorboard in the hallway just outside the bedroom. 
Natasha knows that floorboard well. Vera, I have to go. She hangs up and stuffs the cell phone in her underwear. The doorknob turns. The door slowly opens, situating Natasha behind the open door. An individual dressed in full tactical gear and wearing a helmet and night vision apparatus shuffles in slowly and heads toward the bed with an automatic rifle pointed. She aims her pistol at the back of the intruder and does her best to control her breathing while adrenaline pours into her bloodstream. A second intruder enters the bedroom. Same kind of gear, same kind of rifle, and pointed at the bed. Natasha's breathing just got a lot harder to control, but she needs to focus. The question of who and why needs to get shelved for the time being. Instead, the tactical issue of how to take down two body armored and most likely well-trained intruders carrying automatic weapons needs to be addressed like right this second. With the muzzle of the rifle, one of them ever so slowly starts lifting the blanket. The second one slings his rifle and pulls out a zip tie used for restraining wrists. Natasha assumed that they were assassins, but it looks like they're here to kidnap her. Just then, Natasha realizes that she's only dressed in unsexy panties and a ratty, counterfeit Hello Kitty sweatshirt that she's had since her teen years, on top of which she hasn't shaved her legs in some time and definitely could have used a shower. If she had known that she was going to be kidnapped, she would have made some effort to make herself presentable for capture. What am I saying, she thinks and shakes the stupid thought loose. She watches the intruder uncover her body double, aka the pillow. As they swing around with their rifles pointed is when Natasha puts two into the chest of the closest intruder, who falls backwards into his accomplice who had just pulled the trigger of his rifle, strafing the wall behind Natasha and up to the ceiling as he went crashing into the bedside table and lamp. With their body, the armor and weapons, and the fact that they outnumber her, it's too risky to stay and try to finish them off. Natasha runs out of the bedroom, down a flight of stairs, and ducks into the cubbyhole under the stairwell, which has another set of stairs leading to the cramped basement. In a teak chest are folded beddings under which is a backpack, this is Natasha's emergency go bag. It contains certain essentials for her to make a quick escape. Cash, passports, and IDs under her real name as well as aliases. Pistol, ammo, burner phones, clean underwear, fully loaded Kindle, breath mints. She retrieves the backpack, stands still, holds her breath, and listens. Nothing. Regardless, she couldn't go back upstairs and it wouldn't be long before they find their way to the basement. There is one window down here. A very small window. A window that hasn't been opened in forever. 
it is questionable as to whether it can be opened now. The snow is piled up outside. She has no choice. Natasha tries the window. It's stuck all right. She yanks and yanks at it. The window finally gives and slams into the other side of the window frame. Sick! That was definitely loud enough to draw attention. Natasha holds her breath again and listens. Footsteps. Getting closer until they're just above her. She recognizes the squeal of the door to the cubby being open. Fuck, fuck, fuck! She shoves the backpack out the window through the snow and hoists herself up to the window ledge. She goes through head first, hoping her definitely made-for-childbearing hips don't get stuck. Her torso makes it through. But of course, the window frame tells her hips no way, no how. And so she has to negotiate her ass in certain angles to finally squeeze through and out. Slipping on the snow, it takes a moment for her to get her balance, pick up the backpack, and start running. As she looks back, the muzzle of a rifle protrudes from the window, searching for its target. Natasha sprints out of the backyard and into the street and continues running at a five-minute, 30-second-mile pace. She was faster in her youth, so much so that she was tagged at the age of 14 as a potential Olympic hopeful for Russia. But things happen. Now she's not in as good shape as a special agent hoping that her genetic predilection for world-class athleticism holds up long enough to save her life. Natasha keeps up the pace for about three miles until her body tells her that's enough already. But she's made it to the main drag and ducks into the parking lot of a 24-7 diner. She pulls out her burner phone and opens up the ride-hailing app. Fifteen minutes later, the car pulls up. Natasha's hoping the driver is female. Walking up to the car, she's relieved to find a 50-something woman behind the wheel. Natasha gets into the back seat, and the heat in the car is a welcome respite. The driver glances at her attire, or the lack thereof. Are you okay? Do you need medical attention? The driver is assuming that Natasha had to make a, a quick getaway from her domestic abuser. I'm fine. She goes along with the driver's assumption. I got out of there before he could get his hands on me. Well, if he shows his face, I got a 45 under the seat and I know how to use it, just so you know. Natasha can't help but smile. Thanks. The driver drops her off at an Ovum safe house in Bethesda, Maryland, but only after making certain that Natasha was in good hands and out of harm's way. So Natasha lies and tells the driver that this is her friend's place, someone who was a former Navy SEAL, a very capable one. Once inside the house, the exhaustion hits Natasha like a sack of bricks. She leaves the lights off, shrugs off her backpack, turns on the heater, and drags herself to the kitchen, 
where she's hoping she will find... Yes! Vodka in the freezer. It's some generic brand, but it'll do. She takes a healthy swig, goes to find a blanket, and wraps herself in it, and flops onto the sofa. Despite her fatigue, her mind is still swirling. Who were these guys? Did they have anything to do with the assignment I just completed? No, that doesn't make any sense. Or is it possible that they have something to do with what Vera told me about her boyfriend's kidnappers? She shakes her head in frustration. She can't make any of these pieces fit. And what about the fact that her sister's boyfriend is apparently a space alien? The idea is so preposterous to her it makes her laugh. But what is not funny was that the men who came after her were professionals. Maybe they were private contractors, former military. Maybe they were foreign agents. If Viera's suspicions are right, they could be domestic deep state operatives of some sort. Whoever they are, it's clear that they have the ability to track her down, which means that she needs to stay off the grid. And if they are domestic operatives, then it makes it highly difficult for her to trust anyone, even those within Ovum. But there is one person she can trust for sure. She grabs her phone and types out the following text. Vincent, remember how you owe me big time? The day has come, and I'm cashing in. XOXO, Natasha. Finally able to relax, she falls asleep on the sofa. But then, two hours later, Natasha is awakened by her phone pinging, notifying her of a series of texts. She thinks it's Vincent, but it's not. It's a new mission directive. But it's not from Ovum. State Dossier Podcast is a production of Radio Juice Media. To learn more, go to our website, radiojuicemedia.com. The story was written by Casey Pope and produced by Mariana Baker. The podcast was narrated by Harold Baker. The voice actors are Tori and Hugo Chacon and Mariana Baker. Music composed and performed by Daniel Kaplan. Photography by Luke Aronson. If you like this podcast, you might also enjoy Casey's novels, available on Amazon, or visit his website at fugitivejuicemedia.com. Support Deep State Dossier on Patreon at patreon.com slash deepstatedossier for a whole bunch of exclusive stuff. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us five stars and leave a nice review. For more information, including supporting material for each episode, visit radiojuicemedia.com. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening.